Welcome to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. I'm your host, Sean Holland. This is the second of our back-to-back interviews. Yesterday was with Jesse Jensen, who I gave a... Not the right Twitter account to, so I want to correct that now. It's J-J-R-A-Y-N. So J-J-R-A-Y-N. J.J. Ryan. Anyway, our guest today is Will Chase who is a writer on Cubs Insider. He writes some more big-picture articles about the state of the team. And uh, we had a pretty good conversation. Again, we had this before we knew you Darvish was going to the DL, so that changes that. But other than that, it's a pretty good conversation. We talk about, you know, the Darvish versus Arietta signing, uh, the other division rivals of the Cubs, a little bit about Millhouse from The Simpsons, and some Blue Jackets hockey talk, if you care about that. Uh, so that is that. Let's get to the interview. All right, so we had two wildly different games the past two games, Wednesday night and Friday night. Right. And I think we'll start with Wednesday night. And the let's call it iffy decision-making in the seventh inning. Mm-hmm. Um. I'll just do a little rundown for everyone who might not have seen it. Cubs are down one nothing. Got a young pitcher, Adam Pletko, who is throwing a no-hitter, amazingly, even though it wasn't a very impressive no-hitter, but they were getting no-hit. And um, Anthony Rizzo breaks it up with a double. Infield hit for Wilson Contreras, puts runners on first and third, nobody out. And the Indians wisely remove Adam Pletko, and put in Andrew Miller, and he faces Javi Baez, who tries a bunt. I guess you'd call it a safety squeeze. Uh, the throw goes home. Rizzo's out by a lot. Rizzo, not a fast runner at third. Then Addison Russell comes up, strikes out. Then you have Jason Hayward coming to the plate. And, I mean, everybody assumes that you're going to pinch it for Jason Hayward against a really hard lefty, Andrew Miller. But he gets the at-bat and unsurprisingly hits the ground ball the first. And that's pretty much the end of the game. They don't do anything in the eighth and ninth and lose. So what's your reaction to that? Well, for one thing, you're right about the Hayward situation. I've been a huge Hayward fan. I mean, even even the last couple of years, I've been hoping, like hope, that he would finally figure it out offensively. But as, as this year has gone so far, and you know, with Chili Davis, the hitting coach, trying to get him going, that still hasn't happened. I'm finally, you know, with everybody else who has just sworn off Hayward, at least offensively. I definitely would have gone to who was it on the bench that was still available? Wasn't it? Um, I think fans were talking about Listella or. Who was uh, who was available uh, at that there's spot? There's Bostella, Almora, Zobra. Right, Almora. And I yeah. guess Caratini, but yeah. the names that everyone were calling for were Zobris and Almora. Right. And I mean, Zobris has seemingly come off or come up with every big opp- opportunity so far this season. Like you said, Hayward ends the rally right there. He's been doing that all season. He's been doing that pretty much since he's been a Cub. I mean, you know, it's it's... 
it was predictable. And like I said, I've been a fan of Hayward. I still like Hayward, but I don't trust him in any offensive situation, no matter what. And yeah, I mean, it's easy to, it's always easy to kind of second guess after the case, but yeah, that spot, it's kind of like you're down one, nothing. Like you said, you're getting no hit. You had one run, I believe, um, against Cleveland the night before. It's like, yeah, you got to play for the, you got to play for the win in that situation and go to Almora or, you know, there's just Hayward has not done anything to inspire any kind of confidence, especially in a late inning situation. And yeah, I'm with you. It's, or I'm with probably every bit of uh, all the Cubs fans out there who would have, you know, definitely pinch it for Hayward right there. Yeah. The only theory I can really come up with, and I'm not saying I agree with this theory, but it was the only thing I think it was Joe Madden trying to give uh, Hayward some confidence. Right. If he could get a hit there, would he get a boost of confidence? But I just, I didn't like it. Yeah. And I, I understand that idea. And I mean, you know, it's, I've been looking at the Cubs uh, offensive numbers as a team and they're actually quite good as far as, you know, whether it's RBIs run scored, um, you know, on base is second, I believe in the, in baseball behind the Yankees. I mean, you wouldn't know it based on the last several games where it's, it's feast or famine. And it's like the Cubs offense seems so anemic, but yeah, it's like, I understand, you know, on the one hand, it's a May, it's a game in May. It's probably not going to make or break them, obviously, but with the way the things have been going. And of course, in that situation, trying to salvage a two game series against, against Cleveland and kind of get the offense on track. I get the idea of maybe trying to give Hayward a chance to get some confidence and get him going. But on the other hand, you know, yeah, it just seems, it just seems like, and I think obviously going into today, for instance, and you're probably going to get to that, but uh, you know, I think that might've been even the last straw, at least for now, kind of with Hayward as far as like, okay, we'll give him this one last chance to possibly show what he can do offensively in a big spot. And yeah, there is just nothing, coming from that yeah and i guess that leads us to today's game um which is actually kind of a very similar situation right yep. we have the seventh inning tied at one one uh the giants pitcher um he hits javi baez mm-hmm. walks ian Happ. so you have two guys on with nobody out the giants go to the bullpen same deal um to get a reliever um I believe Will Smith, Will Smith. Yeah. Lefty and Addison Russell comes to the plate and he bunts again. Right. Yep. This time it was a well done bunt. I will say. Yep. That. Yeah. Move the runners to second and third. Then you have a walk to Listella to load the bases, but Ben Zobris, the guy who wasn't used <laughs> on Wednesday's game against the lefty comes up and rips a double with the bases loaded to give the Cubs the lead. So, I guess if we were knocking the other bunt, we've got to give credit to this bunt, even though I still didn't like it. Yeah, it's funny because uh, so many people are against the bunt in general. I don't mind the bunt. I mean, obviously, you got. I guess basically, I don't mind a bunt if the guy can bunt. If he has a history of being able to put down a good bunt, if you're just trying to get anybody to put down a bunt, especially in a late inning situation who's not notoriously good at putting a bunt down, then yeah, don't call it. But um, yeah, I mean, and of course, I don't really know Russell's, uh, you know, I can't think off the top of my head his bunting in the past, but like you said, he put down a good bunt, you know, it kind of evened out from uh, Thursday or from uh, uh, Wednesday when they, you know, couldn't score and they lost the game, uh, you know, one nothing. But yeah, I mean, 
it was it was a good bunt. You got the strategy. The strategy was executed, and the course over us, like we were saying, came through when it mattered most. And you know, I guess, I guess we should just be used to that at this point. But Zobrist always seems to come through in those big spots. Yeah, and he's another guy that I really liked, and you know, he struggled last year offensively, the injuries uh, to his wrist, and you know, just various ailments, but. Zobris has been kind of that catalyst for the Cubs or really throughout his career as far as coming through in big situations. And yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I mean, maybe I'm a little surprised with how good he's been offensively or how good he's been as a overall this year, but I'm not surprised in the fact that he came through because he has that, you know, quote unquote clutch, clutch gene or just that knack for getting a big hit when it matters most. And of course today comes up big in that situation. Yeah. And I guess that's the big debate last year. Because you, we knew he had the wrist injury. Yeah. But then the debate was: was it all the wrist? Was it he's getting old? And it's like this year, early on at least, it looks like it was just the wrist. Right. I did an article on Ben Zobris for Cubs Insider uh, about about a month ago, I believe, and uh, it was it was early in the season at that point. It was you know mid to late April, but it was you know looking at Ben Zobris kind of from where he was last season and the struggles with the uh, with the uh, the wrist and the injuries, and you know I think there was the overall age regression. I mean, he really fell off a bit last year compared to where he was the season before in sixteen, and I mean. I kind of thought he was due for a bounce back because, you know, he had the injuries. He, the whole team was in a rut anyway offensively, and it's, you know, the, the cliche, hitting is contagious, and slumps seem to be contagious too. And it just he just never had an opportunity. I mean, he showed some flashes there, I believe, late uh, second half of the season. He had a good good uh, stretch there where whether it was leadoff or, you know, wherever he was in the lineup, he was coming through with some hits and getting on base. But, yeah, it's good to see him having a good, healthy, productive, productive season to this point. Yeah, it, no, it's, it's very nice to see. And, you know, you got um, other stuff from this game today. Like Chris Bryant, he had like a very uncharacteristic in the first inning. Two guys on, nobody out, and chased like a, you know, a high pitch out of his own. Right. Um, three and two, and you were like, mm, that's not what Chris Bryant normally does. Of course, later in the game in the seventh inning, he got that big hit to knock in two more runs. And it's like, you don't really like, that's how good Chris Bryant's been. Yeah. Strikes at one time with guys on base, and you're like, ooh, what's up with him? Yeah, and, you know, it's funny because with Bryant, you know, you're waiting for his power to come, you know, in the beginning of the season. And, you know, I'm one of those that's you want to see – everybody wants to see the team and players from day one, you know, bat a 1,000 and, and, of course, hit 300 of the whole season, hit, you know, 30 or 40 home runs, all that stuff. And, you know, players do start out cold as good as you are and. Of course, I think, you know, I think he was slowed by not only the, the rainouts and uh, the cold weather, but I think also when he got hit in the, in the uh, head in Colorado, I think that affected him. And then, of course, he found his power shortly thereafter. He was back um, after a couple of games. You know, he hit the home run, I believe, in St. Louis and got on a tear. And, yeah, once he gets going, he's ready to go. And, you know, even though he does make the – he might make the occasional, you know – you know, raise your eyebrows at one play in the game. He does seem to come through later. You know, I think every season he's increased his, uh, his walk rate, he's decreased his strikeout rate. So it's like he makes those adjustments, whether in season or in game or, you know, after the season, he's always getting better. Yeah. That's a, that's what I was thinking of that first thing. Not that, that he's so good. It's almost shocking when he doesn't. Right. When he does chase a pitch, you're like, he never, he almost never strikes out anymore. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's, I guess everybody has their bad moments or bad, bad play here or there, but yeah, you don't have to worry about him having a, one of those golden sombreros or anything close to that. Cause he's usually going to, you know, get make contact or take his walks, you know, more often, way more often than not. Yeah. And the one good trend I've seen lately, you know, the, the game Wednesday is frustrating though, but other than Tyler Chatwood's really iffy start against the Indians, the starting pitching is really starting to come along the past couple weeks. Right. And, you know, again, um, you know, we all get tired of the slow starts and struggles, but, you know, I, I guess I'm more on the positive side overall. And I know that a lot of people point to last year's slow start. And I was one of those that was like, you know, this is the defending champs. Like they've been here before. Give it a, give it, give it time. It's a full 162 game marathon, you know, and again, sort of similar in that regard. I think it's a little bit, I guess it's a little bit better compared to where it was last year at this time. I think I have to look at the numbers, I suppose, but it just feels a little bit better, a little bit different. But, and I think the world series hangover may have had a part in some way. I think it's one of those intangibles that you can't exactly measure. But anyway, though, um, yeah, it's like, I just think that the starting pitching is going to be fine. Of course, I don't know what your, what your thoughts were on Darvish versus Arietta, but, um, I, I think, you know, Darvish is going to be fine. I think he's adjusting to, you know, a new city, a new pitching coach, um, everything in Chicago. And, of course, Quintana's in his first full year. He had a really nice second half for the Cubs last season. And a lot of people, I think, unfairing, you know, it's kind of unfair to pin the whole Eloy thing on him because they're going to look at potentially what kind of player Eloy Jimenez turns out to be for the White Sox. And I think, I think the Cubs made a great trade getting Quintana. I think he's going to be solid for them. He's only going to continue to get better. Hendricks in my mind is the ace. He came into this season. I thought is the best pitcher. And of course that's not taking anything away from Lester who, you know, he's got that kind of bulldog mentality. He's, you know, he's been awesome so far this season. And yeah, I mean, I think, you know, and of course we're way off from the playoffs, but you want at least three, ideally four starters who are, you know, great going into it. But I think the Cubs are, you know, potentially they have that, they have that great starting pitching and it's going to click, I think sooner than later. And I think it's starting to, we'll see as the play, as the season plays out. Yeah. yeah. And actually I was on, I was for uh, bringing Darvish in because I was, I was worried about area that is like, Right. Especially at the end of last season, he's kind of he'd have the strong stretches, but I mean, obviously, so far it's working out pretty good for the Phillies. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I uh, I'll circle back to the Phillies in a second. Last season, I thought the Braves were going to be kind of where they are now, and I thought going into this season, the Phillies and the Braves would both be a lot better, and they have been so far. And yeah, Arietta has been really good for them. Um, you know, I was I was worried about. Yeah, I mean, both come with their risks, and I think that's that's why the free agent class played out so slowly because I thought it was kind of a flawed market in the fact that your two best players, or at least your two best pitchers, were you know already north of thirty and only going to you know probably regress as their contracts play out. I thought you know from the Philly standpoint, they did really well getting Arietta on three years, and I'm sure that I don't know if he would go back in time and take that deal that the Cubs offered possibly, but I don't, I don't blame him for trying to get his money and his worth. But, um, you know, I thought all things considered at that time, and I still think it now, but you know, I think Darvish, I was on the Arietta train initially, at least versus Darvish, but the more the Darvish situation and saga played out, I thought, you know, I, I kind of do like Darvish because I thought, you know, I was a little worried about Arietta when he was off, 
you know, for his standards last season at times, you know, he was kind of off. I mean, he was walking people. He just wasn't the same pitcher, but when he dials it up, when he gets in his groove, he's one of the best in the game. Um, but you know, you kind of wonder, and of course he had the hamstring, I think it was a hamstring injury in, on Labor Day last year in Pittsburgh. And, you know, some of these things with him, it kind of made you wonder if he was going to start regressing more. And he, you know, everybody does as they get older usually, but, uh, yeah, I was on the Darvis train as well. And, uh, I think, you know, he got his first win. He showed some flash. He's shown some flashes of what he can be. And I think he's only getting stronger. Yeah. And, you know, before the season, I really thought that Lester would have a big bounce back here because Lester did not go great for Lester. And he's the kind of guy that would take that personally and like really right. be determined to, to, um, go for it. So that was my prediction I made before the year. And that's actually one of the few ones I got right. So, yeah, exactly. I really thought Lester was going to, you know, in my mind, like I said, I thought Hendricks kind of was like, you know, probably, you know, not that it really matters. You know, the, the pitching rotation, the one through five only matters like opening day and first game of the playoffs or whatever. But yeah, in my mind, you have potentially three or four aces when you think of Hendricks, Lester, Quintana, Darvish. Um, you know, I think Quintana is only going to, you know, continue to blossom into that kind of a role. Um, you know, I think that, uh, I think that, you know, Hendricks, uh, you know, he's proven it on the, on the mound as far as his big game kind of mentality. And, um, yeah, I mean, as, as far as, uh, as far as what, uh, Lester brings, you know, he does bring that kind of, he's a proud pitcher. I mean, he, he'll tell you last season when he had those, those two games against the Reds and Pirates when he gave up, what was it? Nine runs or something like an inning or whatever. I mean, he wants to bounce back. And so far he's proven that. Yeah. Um, so now I, I think I'll touch a little bit on uh, just a signing I was not, I was like kind of unsure about was Brandon Morrow, but mm-hmm. he has proved to be like very, very good. Yeah. Um, I think the only, so it's funny because, you know, we, we've seen with Theo, he does not sign closers for, you know, three and four, whatever years. And, you know, I liked, you know, I thought obviously last year Davis for Solaire was a steal and I was all for, you know, I liked, I liked Wade Davis, but I wasn't sure again about four or five year deal for him. And I thought, you know, I trust, I trust Theo that much and that, okay, he knows these guys, he knows what he's looking for talent wise. Morrow brings that, that filthy, he has that filth. I mean, you saw it, to, you know, in, in the save today against the, the giants, three pitches what, was like a hundred miles an hour each time. He has the stuff. He's he showed what he can do last season for the Dodgers, you know, albeit and I roughly he came up later in the season, you know, I think he was there for like 40 appearances or so, but um yeah, the only I think the only thing for me about Morrow was just his health factor, but you know, I'm hoping that uh obviously that that holds up and I think I don't know, I think so far um I feel like they've been managing his uh, innings pretty well. So, you know, as long as he holds up, I think he's definitely the guy for the job. I mean, he's proven that obviously so far. Yeah. And that was the only thing I was unsure about too, is that, you know, the world series with him pitching seven games in a row is like, right. I was worried his arm was going to fall off, but yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think Dave Roberts, they even, uh, for the Dodgers, you know, back in the world series, you know, he basically said, yeah, I used him way too much, but Morrow was that kind of guy who wants to be on the mound. And that, I mean, what player doesn't want to be on the mound or on the field in that in any situation, but let alone the world series. And, you know, he's like the second pitcher all the time to appear in all seven world series games. So, 
you know, he did fall off a little bit probably due to fatigue, but yeah, he's, he's another guy that he's made Theo and Jed look brilliant as far as being able to handle that ninth inning so far. Yeah. Well, since we were talking about Theo and Jed, let's get to the big situation. That's been just roiling Cubs Twitter for oh, yeah. God knows how long. And that is the Manny Machado rumors. Yep. So what your take on these? Well, first of all, yeah, I mean, first of all, obviously, Manny Machado is a triple crown threat so far at the Memorial Day weekend. Um, I mean, I mean, who knows how that's going to end up? But regardless, he's having a brilliant MVP type of a season so far. He would obviously make any lineup better. And I mean, the way I, the way I look at it is, I'm leery about. First of all, I'm already leery about the prospects of him as a potential rental. So, I mean. If they trade for him, you know, they're going to have to give up. I mean, I've heard, was it, you know, uh, Russell, Montgomery, you know, prospect, obviously, at least, um, you know, like, as a potential deal. Um, and I mean, I don't know. It's like, on the one hand, I think they could make that potential trade. Um, but I think then it's like the priority would probably shift to can we, you know, can we resign him in the offseason? And then, of course, you know, then there's the Harper saga, that whole other story. So it's like, I guess where I come off is right now, I would not, you know, a lot of people on Twitter and on social media want to make that trade yesterday. And I'm kind of like, let's wait, because who knows what the needs are going to be later in the season. Um, you know, Russ, I mean, having a guy like Machado in the middle of that lineup and on, you know, defensively, I mean, that would cause a whole other kind of domino because then it's like, okay, now you can put him at shortstop. Do you put him at third? Do you put Brian in the outfield? That might not be a bad problem to have, but I think it's kind of like kind of more of a, it's less necessary at this point and more of an extra, you know, kind of more luxury than anything at this point, I would kind of wait and just kind of see how it plays out, see how, how the potential offer, um, as far as what's given up for him, how that might change, you know, cause the Orioles are going to probably trade him this season, you would think. Um, and the closer we get to the deadline, we'll see how much they bend or break. But I mean, what, what about you? What is your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that if they, I don't think it's going to happen for one. Okay. I mean, I'd be shocked if it did, but if the Cubs did it, it would be part of a long-term plan. Like, to keep yep. Machado. Yeah. I don't think they trade for him just to rent him. Right. Yep. So if they move him, then they want him to be, you'd assume third baseman for yeah. the future. And you'd put Brian in right field. Yep. That's what I would assume they would do. Cause they're saying he's not as good as shortstop as either third baseman. Yeah. But yeah, if they were going to do that, it would have to be for a long term. Like they are going to sign him. Right. Otherwise it wouldn't make sense. And that's my thought because, you know, after the Chapman, you know, it's, it's different when you're in the world, you're trying to win your first world series in 108 years. Of course you're going all in. I, you know, you, you do that. It's a once in a lifetime sort of situation, but Theo has already said, you know, I think last season, you know, you, we're not training for rentals. We're not in that position to, to do that or need to do that. And that's the right philosophy. Cause you talk about the long-term plan and yeah, I mean, they, you want to, you, they do have this World Series window, and I think they already have a really good lineup. I mean, you know, forget about the last several games as far as the anemic at times offense. When this team and offense get going, they are one of the best in the game. The, the numbers already prove that right now. You know, if you want to, however much stock you want to put into those numbers. But um, yeah, I mean, if they get Machado, I do think he's part of their long term plan. And 
you know, it might, it might shuffle as far as what they would have to give up. You might, you might be okay giving up a certain prospect here or there as, as well as, you know, um, pieces off the major league roster. But, um, I, I would probably be more hesitant to also think that if they get Machado, it's probably more as a free agent signing versus actually trading for him, which is another thing. It's like, I'm usually in that camp of don't trade for the guy, just sign him. If you can in the off season, you know, why, why, why sign a guy that you can, or why trade for a guy that you can likely sign, or at least throw as much money as you can at. So, um, but yeah, as far as right now, I definitely would not make that trade. I mean, as great as he would be, um, I would rather, you know, like let's say an injury comes up to somebody else on the roster. And I heard this on uh, ESPN uh, on David Kaplan's show on his radio show. He was saying the same thing as about if a guy gets injured later in the season, like you're starting catcher and Contreras or something, and you need to go out there and make a move. You're not going to be able to, if you've already committed to the Machado trade earlier or something like that. You know what I mean? So I think they kind of, you know, Theo's smart. He knows, he kind of knows how to play out this whole process and you know, it could happen and it wouldn't really surprise me either, but I definitely think it'd be, if it's going to happen at all, it's probably going to be either July 31st or as a free agent signing in the off season. All right. Well, that kind of brings me then to the great debate that everyone's been having. Do you want Harper or do you want Machado? So, all right. Yeah. Um, I mean, Bryce Harper, again, he's one of the best players in the game. He's only what? 25, both him and Machado are both 25, going to be 26 opening day next year. Obviously Harper is a great talent. I am probably have been more critical of Harper because I'm in the DC market. I see the nationals a little bit more often probably than, you know, people in Chicago, for instance. Um, obviously I'm not, I'm not holding the playoffs or I should say I'm not holding the nationals, not getting out of the first round on Harper. Um, I mean, he's had some really good numbers in the playoffs anyway, in the first, first series or the first round in the past. But on that, on that note, it's like, you know, I guess with me for Harper, I mean, he's got a, a really good, you know, uh, walk to strikeout ratio. He's, you know, all the numbers are there again this season, I guess for me, it's just, do you want to throw 300 million? And I guess the same could be said for Machado too. Would you want to throw two or $300 million at Harper and, or Machado, I should say, you know, either one, but I don't know. It's like, I'm already thinking, I I know the money I've heard, you know, I've seen fans say, why do you care about the money? It's the ownership there. They can spend it. And the Cubs likely can absorb any kind of money that they throw at a player, especially with the potential TV deal they have in a couple of years. And, you know, they have deep pockets, but I'm still kind of budget payroll conscious, you know, over the years watching, you know, teams like the Yankees with their A-Rod saga and just, you know, you, you, th- you have to think about how, what you're going to have to give Bryant, uh, Rizzo, Contreras, you know, they have a bunch of guys on the roster already who are going to get big paydays. Um, I don't know. Again, Harper's more of a luxury to me than a, a potential necessity because I feel like, I don't know. I, what about you? What, what about you on the Harper situation? Well, I give a, see, I think Harper's great and I like Machado too, but I go for the third mystery answer. Mm-hmm. Save your money for Chris Bryant. Yeah, exactly. I mean, for, yeah, forget the other guys. Just give Chris Bryant all the money. I, I guess, like, when people started talking about Harper, I think it was last season, I was like, this, we don't need, they don't need to sign Harper. I mean, yeah, if you can get him, that's great. It's like the Yankees getting Stanton. They don't need him, but you certainly take him if you can. But, you know, for the Cubs, it's like, 
Chris Bryant's probably going to potentially make 250, 300 million dollars in a couple of years. I mean, you know, you don't necessarily need Harper as great as he would be. And then of course, and I know people don't even they say this isn't an, you know, an, an issue, but you still have Jason Hayward in right field in that contract. And Harper is not Hayward in the in the sense that you don't have to worry about his offense just falling off a cliff most likely, but you know, there is an unpredictability with these long contracts as great as they are now. You just never know with injuries or with any kind of regression, what could happen for a player. And that's why I'm always leery unless you're like Mike Trout. And I mean, like I said, Harper is one of the best in the game. He's not far off of a Mike Trout potential, but you know, unless it's like Mike Trout or you're 25 and the best player in the game, it's like, you got to still watch the money you're throwing at guys, especially when you have other needs that are going to come up. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, I guess that will be more of a discussion for next off season. So, yeah, definitely, it's going to keep swirling. But you know, I was kind of more on that. I, I kind of came around on the Harper thought, but then I was like, I don't know. I mean, the injuries he's had, he hasn't really been injured a lot. He's had a couple of fluky injuries. You know, last season sliding in the first base or whatever it was, or not sliding, but that situation in the rain in DC. But that's the other thing for me too is I want to see him have a full, you know, a full season with more regularity. And I guess he's only missed a couple of. Uh, He's only had a couple of seasons where he didn't play about 110 games. But, yeah, I mean, that's another one. I guess between the two of them, I guess Machado, I don't know. Either one could make sense. So, yeah. Yeah, well, now I'll kind of do a little round-robin thing. We've got three teams the Cubs are competing with, Pirates, Cardinals, Brewers. Which one are you worried about? Are you worried about any of them? So I'm actually watching the Cardinals uh, Pirates right now. And the Pirates are up three nothing. Um, so, I mean, I think all of us going into the season would have thought probably Milwaukee, St. Louis might be a toss up. Maybe you give the Brewers the edge just because of what they did last season. Um, Pittsburgh hasn't gone away yet. And then maybe they won't go away, but you know, even after giving up McCutcheon and Cole, but um I don't know. I don't want to come off. This isn't to come off arrogant, but I'm not worried, honestly, about either of them because I do think as long as the Cubs play as they are capable of, I think they're still the best team in that division. But um, that's not to say, though, that Milwaukee or really any of them, I guess, couldn't end up sticking with the Cubs all year and just taking that division. But, I mean, forgetting forgetting the variables of, you know, if the Cubs just don't get going, if they get hurt, you know, assuming the Cubs are healthy, they're going to play like they're capable of. And I think they'll take that division. But, you know, we've been talking about with the Brewers. Um, they, they keep winning, but the starting pitching has been a question mark, or at least that, well, at least that was the fight, um, you know, after the way their offseason played out. And so far they've been, they've been the one, you know, better than good. Um, I think the Brewers are right where I would have thought. I think that, the Cardinals are, they're right there. They're probably going to be there most of the season. And I wouldn't be surprised if whoever wins this division wins it by at least five games or with it, at least no more than five to seven games. I'm not sure anyone's really going to pull away, but um, I think, I don't really think Pittsburgh is going to stay there the whole time. I guess it's between St. Louis and Milwaukee. And that's kind of a toss up in my mind. I could go almost either way. Um, but you know, I don't know. What, what? How about you, though? Well, the Brewers are kind of an odd because they're twelve and five in one-run games, right? So when that, but they have a great bullpen, so that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But you, I don't think are they going to be able to sustain twelve and five in 
that winning percentage in one run games? I don't think they are. See, that's that's yeah, that's tough. I mean, on the one hand, you like that because that's kind of when it comes down to the playoffs, being able to to thrive in a close situational game like that. That you know shows that you're you're resilient or you're you're used to those situations. But yeah, over the long haul, uh, likely not. You know, likely it's you would like to see. I mean, if you're the Brewers, whether it's the offense breaking out even more or the pitching able to, you know. Like you said, a one-run game over the course of a season that's probably going to even out a little bit. But yeah, and they have that. You know, Hater is like like a secret weapon. So that's why the one thing that kind of scares me about the Brewers, but they're going to have to lean on him very hard. And I don't know if we'll be able to like hold up the whole year. Yeah, I mean, he has something like what's uh, almost sixty strikeouts, and it's not even June yet. He's been on. He's just been crazy good this year. Um. Yeah, I mean, and then, of course, when they lost Kniebel for, what, six weeks back in April, they haven't fallen off. I mean, they've been just fine without him. And, of course, that'll be an, an added bonus for them when they get him back. And, you know, it's kind of one of those situations where you never want to lose a guy. But if you can keep winning without them and then they come back, assuming that, you know, they fight off any potential rust that they might have, um, you could almost make the argument that they come back. You know, they had that rest factor, I guess, in the second half of the year. Yeah. A la, you know, Kershaw back in, uh, what, 2016 playoffs. Uh, he missed the time, came back. But actually, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think Canable's back. I think he came he? back, like, a couple weeks ago, like last week. Really? I'm okay. pretty sure, yeah. But I thought I heard today, in fact. All right, yeah, you might be right. I was thinking that he was still – yeah, I guess that would be within that time frame. Um, actually, I'm looking at him now. He only has 8.2 innings so far this season, so I think he might still be out. I thought I saw him the other day, but like, he might not have. But I'm checking out his game log just in case. Um, let's see. His, oh, yeah. His last, yeah, he has played a couple of games. So, okay. yeah, he actually faced Arizona um, back on the 22nd. 20, looks like he was in there the 18th, 21st, 22nd. So, yeah, he has been, he has been back. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, um, I'll ask you a couple of fun questions now at the end. Uh First, you uh, have this thing that you like to do during games where you post pictures of Millhouse. Oh, yeah. Which I really enjoy, but I thought you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, so I, I like to, like I said, I like to be, I'm, I'm kind of like that positive guy, not to say I don't get frustrated. So I kind of, you know, especially with the Cubs, um, it's, it's it just keeps a light. I mean, I'm a Simpsons fan anyway, so... It's just something spur of the moment. It's like, you know, the Cubs offense has been as good as they have been overall. They've been kind of feast or famine. So, you know, I was just thinking randomly, um, listening to the game today at work. And, you know, I was just thinking about random Millhouse clips that would just be funny in that situation. Like, you know, the one where he's uh, trying to hit the ball off the tee and he hits it barely and then he runs in right into it and falls over. And it's like, that's almost like, the Cubs, you know, they were to load the bases in the seventh inning or something and not score. It's like, how do you trip into that? But yeah, it's, uh, it's just funny. And I like to just kind of, uh, just kind of get fans engaged or, you know, get people engaged in funny things. Not just, you know, I get tired of the, uh, the negativity and, you know, this team is a, is a really good team. They're not playing as good as they could be at times, but people get so lost in the everyday aspects of it they forget baseball is a marathon i think and it's just funny to make light of the situation sometimes yeah and it's i i agree with you on that too and like i mean i try not to do it but sometimes i will 
read the comments on my articles and like mm-hmm. you think some of these people you think like the Cubs are the worst team oh in yeah history, and it's like every game is the start of a death spiral and it's like you know they're pretty good so yeah I mean people have seemingly have already forgotten what it was like pre-2015 when this team was a, a basement dweller every day so yeah I mean of course I get expectations are high and you don't want to see them struggle and you know I think I guess it's kind of like once a team has proven to me that they can they can come out at you when it matters, you know, I give them the benefit of the doubt. I mean, this team is better than they've shown, and they're going to be there in in all likelihood. They'll be there at the top of the division at you know in September, and you know where we expect them to be. Yeah. Okay. Well, now my final question is: your other thing that you like to write about is the Columbus Blue Jackets, mm-hmm. and now I'm a Blackhawks fan. Yeah, I guess. But I was a Blackhawks fan, like when they were horrible too. So I always right. like to tell people that. But anyway, uh, tell me a little bit about the Blue Jackets and how you stole Panarin from us. Right. So, <laughs> but no, yeah. So, Blue Jackets. Well, I'll give a little bit of a quick, uh, kind of a quick overall. Um, so, I, I did. I, I like the Blackhawks too. Um, the Blue Jackets are the team. I, I they're kind of like my first team, I guess, as far as. Uh, you know, writing about them, but supporting them. But, you know, I grew up, uh, my dad's from Chicago. So I kind of been, that's where I got the Cubs, Blackhawks, you know, that side of it. But, uh, I definitely remember the Blackhawks back in, you know, 99, 2000, you know, battling Columbus for last place in the central division. So, um, yeah, as far as Columbus though, I used to live in Columbus, Ohio. So, um, that's where that came from as far as being there when they got the team in 2000, really in 97, when they, uh, NHL was going to bring in Columbus for the 2000 season. So I uh, got into writing about them last season. I did a, a little bit of writing for them actually back in 2015 for Rant Sports. So, but full time uh, this past season for SB Nation. And uh, yeah, as far as uh, Panarin, so it's funny because after the Black or after the Blue Jackets playoffs last year against Pittsburgh in 2016 uh, 17 season, um, I don't know. I had this weird thing about with Saad. It was like I had this for no real reason other than the fact that I think I remembered a game in which Saad was being chewed out by uh, Torts on the bench in the playoffs. And, you know, I thought, you know, after some of the comments Tortorella has made, um, nothing really disparaging about Saad, but more of it just seemed to me that they didn't quite see eye to eye or that they wanted Saad to be more of the leader, vocal leader. He had the two Stanley Cups with Chicago. It's kind of like, they wanted him to be that leader in Columbus and he just wasn't being that kind of guy, I guess they might've thought. And I wasn't, I was shocked when they actually got him for Panera or when they got Panera for Saad. I told someone, I said, I wouldn't be surprised before the, when the season was over, if they were going to trade Saad. And I, he thought I was crazy, but you know, sure enough, they get Panera. And I think, I think Stan Bowman overreacted after that. I mean, I understand why after that sweep to Nashville, but, uh, you know, they had to make a shakeup and they did by basically, you know, getting, getting rid of Panera and bringing in uh, uh side who had that chemistry with, you know, in the past with Taze and trying to get him going, trying to kind of recreate, I thought kind of try to recreate that magic and Panera has thrived. Obviously going into the season, everybody was like, how is Kane or how's it going to do without Kane? Turns out he does just fine when he's the star in Columbus. So yeah, that's kind of how that, I guess, how that went. Yeah, how is Kane going to do without him is what they should have asked. Oh, it's funny. I was thinking the same thing recently when I did my play review of uh, Panarin, but looking at Kane's stats, he was I, – I, I didn't see every Hawks game, obviously. I try to keep up with them a little bit, but uh, I think, I think you know, I think Kane did just 
pretty much did fine without uh, Panarin. Obviously, he did. He did yeah. If you form the two together, of course, it's like a it's a dream line, I guess. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Panarin was was fantastic. The thing that surprised me though was. Um, how much he's ready to fight somebody. I mean, he was ready to drop the gloves almost for a while there. It seemed like every game he was trying to get into it. And uh, I saw a YouTube video of him in a fight against St. Louis, and he was really going at it. I forget who it was now for the Blues, but, uh, yeah, he, he can fight. Yeah, that, that one was a bit surprising. So um, how do you feel about the Blue Jackets going forward then? I mean, so, they to the Capitals, tough series. Yeah, yeah. So, uh I don't know. It's funny because so many Blue Jackets fans are pretty, I'll say they're butthurt over the fact that Vegas is steamrolling the NHL like it's nothing. And Columbus can't even figure themselves out through the first round after 18 seasons. And part of it's the Blue Jackets. I mean, yeah, they mismanaged it for half their franchise and they have really good management in place. They have a good nucleus. Who knows what they're going to do next season. I think they'll probably be a playoff contender. Um, it's funny because like Sergei Bobrovsky is one of the best goalies in the NHL, at least in the regular season. I would, I wouldn't mind trying to trade him if they can get the right offer right now, because his contract is going to be, he's a restricted free agent at the same time as Panarin is uh, next off season. And I don't give a goalie $10 million a year. Look at Montreal with Carey Price. So not to say they're going to actually trade Bobrovsky, but I don't see resigning him. And if they do trade him, maybe they do miss the playoffs. Maybe they fall off a little bit. I think they're a playoff potential for sure. I mean, you know, when they, when they play the game, like they they're capable of, like they showed in March, um, winning 10 in a row at one point, um, they have a really good defensive uh, core with, uh, you know, Seth Jones or their forwards. They need another center, a two line center, but, um, it's I don't know I, I still don't think they can I mean they might get out of the first round they probably should have gotten out of the first round against the Capitals but you know the Caps made some you know if they start Holpe from game one on maybe they don't even win those first two games who knows but I think Holpe kind of had a chip on his shoulder for sure though so but uh yeah Columbus I don't know it's I'm just laughing at it right now because I I want to see I want to see Vegas win the cup um I don't really care anymore about the fact that they're an expansion team and Columbus can't basically fight their way out of a, out of a paper bag. It seems like, so, you know, I just, I, I take it in stride at this point. I'm just like, I don't want the cat. I don't want the caps to be the team that ends up. I mean, if they do it, it's kind of awesome for them and Ovechkin, but yeah, I guess, uh, for Columbus's sake, they'll be in the race next year in, in all likelihood. But, you know, I'm kind of, Felino is their captain, and uh, I'm kind of ready for Seth, Seth Jones to be, I think, their captain one day. And because I'm kind of tired of the rhetoric as far as, you know, we're right there. We just, we have the horses, or we, we're going to be motivated. We're going to come at you. And it's like, they haven't done it yet. Like, they don't have the horses. They need to do something else. They need to retool that team. Yeah. Well, that's a good end to our hockey podcast. <laughs> but no. Yeah. Uh, no, thanks. For every thanks for coming on. Yeah, it was great. Um, yeah, it'd be awesome to do it again. All right. Thank you. Okay. That was Will Chase. You can find him at Will Chase underscore on Twitter. Um, a couple other things. Remember, if you want to send a message to this podcast, get a question on the air. It's holycowpod at gmail. Or you can send it to my Twitter account, STH85. Give me a follow if you're not already. Um, 
And if you listen to this on iTunes, please rate and review. Give me a five-star. I mean, you can give me a two-star or one-star, too, if you want, but uh, give me a, you know, a rating and a review and let me know what you think of the podcast. I would appreciate it. Until then, we'll be back with the podcast soon.